0: back to On the Mic with Mike Peters. My guest this week is Dan Clark, who started doing stand-up in Philadelphia when he was 25. Dan played bass in a punk band, rugby in high school, and then he used to be a journalist, so we had plenty to talk about. He's a really good dude, and he's starting a podcast called Idiot Bridge soon. This is a good one. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Follow Homebrewed Comedy on Facebook, or go to homebrewedcomedy.com to see all of my show dates. Thanks again. I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Hey, man, thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, dude. Appreciate it. Yeah. What is life like for you right now? Uh, right now, pretty slow, comedy wise. Just trying to book out January. Getting used to working again because I took way too much time off in December. <laughs> that's other than that's pretty pretty relaxed. Nothing super stressful yet. Kind of hoping that's how the rest of the year goes. But. Do you
0: do production work as well?
1: Uh, I did. I used okay. to. Uh, me and my buddy Casey Cuffing used to run a show in Philly, and then uh, we realized we hate doing it because it's a yeah. nightmare to do. Uh, so we stopped in November. I might try to start something up again in the summer, but for right now, I'm just like, I'm going to let people book me and not worry about the logistics of <laughs> setting a show up every month and having a panic attack when only three tickets were sold three hours before the show starts. That is the worst. Of, yeah. Like
0: I, I do yeah. shows all over the place. And I always say, like, if you're funny enough not to need to book shows. Oh, yes. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Good for
1: you. <laughs> yeah. I'm jealous.
0: I'm not there. So like I'm like, okay, well, in order for me to get stage time, I have to do the work behind the scenes. Yeah, so, yeah. like, okay, I'll do it. I like it, but yeah, that's the stressor of it because I've got a show yeah. tonight where the tickets are okay, yeah but they're not where the venue wants them. So I'm uh, stressed okay. with that. Tomorrow, same kind of deal, although the venue doesn't give a shit. So yeah. it's like, but it's like when you get there and you've got three people in the seats and it's like five minutes until you start, you're like, man, everybody hates me. Like all the comedians who came to town, they drove an hour, two hours to get here. They are never going to work with me again. Yeah. Inevitably, it turns out to be a fun show. You'll have like 10 more people who show up and everybody has a good set and the reviews are good. But you still think everybody's going to hate you and never want to talk to you again. It's there's so much stress that you don't realize when you Uh take on a, a production role.
1: Absolutely. And like kind of for us, the last straw for the show that we we, we did the last one in November and it was mostly just a like, all right, if we promised you we were going to book you kind yeah. of thing, we th- we just threw those people on. But in October, we ended up having to cancel because we had, I think we had one ticket sold before the show started. And then we were like, all right, we usually get like 10 walk-ups and it was a small room. So like we could, we did it for less than 10 people before, but like you yeah. usually count on at least five to come up. Uh, no one came up. And then two people, after we decided to cancel the show, we were just hanging out. It was like this upstairs area of a bar. And uh, we just decided to hang out for a minute. And uh, then two people were like, oh, we want to buy tickets. I'm like, we already swore were going to start the show late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they would have been late for that part of it anyway. <laughs> so it's like. I had a, That was the other issue I always had. I don't think people understood the difference between doors and when the show starts. I think oh, yeah, they just yeah. re- they read show starts and assumed that meant doors, even though we were very clear about it on the flyer. Well,
0: what happens with me is like if I have like a, like I've got a weekly show.
1: So yeah. start God, time God, God bless you, bud. That's and, nuts.
0: I it's hard. And I, and I have to book it every single week. And yeah. granted, you know, I'm the full time host. So like that's one spot down and I don't run showcase shows. So I only have uh, to get okay. three I get three comedians every week, but still to vary the lineup in, you know, I'm at Binghamton, New York, where we're pulling from like two and a half hours away sometimes. Yeah, yeah. The talent pool is not, I mean, to get a headliner. Sure. That can yeah. do 30 to 45 every week is hard. That's the hard. Yeah, thing. yeah. You know, anybody can get like three openers and that's fine. But yeah. to do that, like the start time is 730. But when you have a regular audience, they're like, all right, well, we'll get there later. And then you kind of acclimate to them. And they're like, yeah. all right, well, maybe we'll start at 745, oh. really. And the 7.30 start time is actually the door time now. Yeah. It's like everyone's once like last night we started at 805. And you have to like <laughs> restart every once in a while. Like, okay, no, no, really. We have to retrain them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's
0: like it's like an open mic too. Like, like oh, we, yeah. we have to we have to retrain the comedians that no, you get there at seven to sign up and not
1: 7.30 Uh, when it starts,
0: because everybody wants to be like, listen, I know it starts later, I'll just get there later, and eventually it's a domino effect.
1: Yeah. Our issue was we also had a hard out for 10, because ours was, when we started, we tried doing it twice a month, and then we were both like, yeah, we're not producers, let's just do once a month, this sucks, Uh, but we had a hard out at 10, because there was always a DJ after us, and they were usually like, and we would start, we would always finish on time, and also the DJ never, there was like, in the two years we ran the show, the DJ almost never had people come up for it. It was just like we hung out there a few times upstairs, and it would just be like three people that are friends with the DJ go up, and then it was like yeah. we are getting kicked out early for this. But
0: yeah, I, there was only one show I had where a DJ kind of butted into it, and mm. I remember being at the front of the stage because I'm just producing it, and my buddy is on stage, like you know, telling last couple jokes. And the DJ literally came up and he goes, hey, man, we got, we got to go. And I'm like, there's nobody here. Yeah. Who the fuck hey, are you? Yeah. You know, it didn't matter. I'm like, I'm like, it's not my fault. The venue double booked us.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. The same venue. I got triple booked. Is that oh, ever happened to you? Uh, once. Yeah. Once. But they were, they realized they goofed. So they were like, we had to move. We had one weekend of shows. Uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he's actually he has a it's a guy that has a podcast with Rory Scoville. And we did a Friday and Saturday show because to accommodate the man and to make sure he could we could pay his minimum. And the Saturday, they were like, We booked a private birthday party and listen, we're gonna make so much fucking money and we we understand we fucked up. So could you guys move the show to like 4:30? And we were like, sure, I guess. So they had we had 4:30 our show, private birthday, and then even the private birthday, had like a DJ still after it. Then those people had to get out for. <laughs> it's a long day for whoever's working there. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. I felt bad for the bartenders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, we had a standing date. It was like the first Saturday of the month, second Saturday yeah. of the month. And then there was a battle of the bands was thrown in there. Oof. And then like a Latin party. And the ba- I think we were starting at eight. The battle of the bands was starting at seven. And the Latin party was nine or 10,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but we couldn't go upstairs. We, we were on the downstairs, and for some reason, like the, the owner's like, Hey, can you guys start earlier? I'm like, no. Like, yeah. No, we just can't. Yeah. I people coming from out of town. He goes, How about you just do an hour show? I was like, Again, no. I was
1: like, We can't do that. <laughs> the headliner's so, doing so, 45 minutes. What's everyone gonna do? Three minutes up top before exactly. him? Like, yeah. And,
0: and I get there, and the people, with the bands are like pissed off at the owner. They're not mad at me. I'm like, I've had posters up for three months. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not a shock. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, well, fuck these guys. I'm like, listen, <laughs> I like them, but I can't argue against it.
1: Yeah. Like this yeah. 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 That sucks, dude. Damn.
0: So what got you started in,
1: in comedy? Long story short, I did this real cool thing where, uh, I married my high school girlfriend and I got divorced <laughs> when I was 25 it was always something I wanted to do, and I was like, I have all Get the divorced. time in the world right now. Yeah, that that was always on my bucket <laughs> list too.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was always like, I don't have enough grit to me. Let me, yeah, let me fuck up my mental health for a couple years before. I... <laughs> uh, yeah, I just had a lot of time, and I always wanted to do it, and I didn't really have an excuse to not do it anymore because I was always like, well, I'm married, ah, I'm working, yeah, so. I just kept, I just haven't stopped for seven years. So (laughs) good change. Yeah. Great change. I mean, yeah. Comedy is like, uh, and I also didn't go into comedy with a lot, with the mindset of a lot of newer open micers I see in Philly. And we were like, ah, well, therapy is too expensive. And I'm like, I know they're, they're only half joking about that. And like, I don't know. I think if you go into comedy, it's like, it will heal my shit. Then you're probably, you're making it worse. This is, this is a, a fruitless endeavor for the most part that just stresses you out more than anything in the world. So I don't know why you would. So I did, I, yeah, I didn't go into comedy going like I'm going to heal myself through the power of laughter. I was like, no, I just wanted to do it. I grew up watching comedy central presents every Friday night when I wasn't going out, you know? Yeah. So
0: no, I'm kind of there too. And the funny part is with, with the therapy, like I started doing stand up in 2016 Yeah. And yeah, Yeah. I went through a really bad breakup in 2018 and started Uh, doing therapy. Mm -hmm. And since then, my comedy is better because of therapy. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So anybody goes anybody who goes, hey, you know what? I don't need therapy. I have comedy. It's like, no, man, If you add therapy to it. You're probably going to go in a better direction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be as because like. especially at the local scene, like you know where i'm at and i'm sure it's kind of the same in thinking uh in philly it's like you just feel like you're competing with people and if you're already a little bit of a naturally competitive person or if you're like a failed high school athlete like i was like (laughs) you're gonna be competitive about literally everything you do that's like not a healthy way to go into shit because you're gonna see younger people that are better than you and i'm like god damn you're gonna try to not want to murder them but (laughs) (laughs) so if you're happy (laughs) You can you can go through and be like, no, it's just a thing I like to do. Everyone has their own path. It'll take more time for me, but I'm okay with that. So, yeah.
0: And you started at 25?
1: Yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, tracks. Yeah, 25, 26. I did like, when I was 25, like I did like a few open mics, but it wasn't like as consistently. And then I think my New Year's resolution for 2017 was to like do a lot, like do it like at least once a week. And I ended yeah. up doing it a lot more than once a week since then, so. What'd you play in high school? Uh, So I ran cross country and played rugby. And then all my whole life, I was a basketball player, but I was always taller than everyone until high school. So like, they just trained me as a center. So I never like, and I'm like, I'm six foot. It's not that I'm not the shortest person in the world, but I am a short point guard for, for like serious basketball playing. So like, I never learned how to like dribble, like I can dribble, but I never learned like point guard handles or like how to shoot threes or anything so yeah, i just yeah, I had to bow out in ninth grade.
0: <laughs> your post-up game is kind of ineffective
1: when yeah, 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 yeah. people five, six inches taller than you. Yeah, I'm not scared of them. I'll still do it, but like, you know, they're still gonna block me almost every time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember growing up with a kid, his name's James. Maybe you know him. Uh but
1: he <laughs> yeah, was sure. Like yeah.
0: <laughs> he was like five three and yeah. really good basketball player, very good shot, good on the dribble, everything. And it was like one of these moments I think about because, like, you're trying to be a supportive friend and you yeah. realize that it doesn't matter because yeah. he w- was still short and he's now like going up against taller kids. Yeah. yeah. And like the middle schools combined into high school. And now he's not as you know, good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he goes, Oh, I'm so short. I'm like, Man, it doesn't matter. You're being short it doesn't matter. He goes, Yeah, it does.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I was like,
0: Oh, yeah, it actually does this time. <laughs> like,
1: just yeah. trying to be a good friend. And no, no, he's right. I think the one holding out, I, I forget. I don't even know if he was actually that short. Bugsy Malone was like, I think under six foot, but he's like the one out of 10 billion people that could, that made it to the NBA that's shorter than six foot. I mean, Muggsy Bugs. <laughs> Muggsy Bugs. That's it. Who the fuck yeah. is Bugsy Malone? Bugsy Malone. Probably not think- a big. Is that and a no, real
0: person? I, it's either a real person or a character from like an older show. Or, that sounds right. Okay. <laughs> or uh, kind of like a, a an invented character from The Simpsons. About, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like just some about the, yeah, yeah. Bugsy Malone. I swear to God, I'm going to Google it. But no, Mugs I did Malone that. Just
1: five yeah. three. Okay, yeah. So he's the one guy.
0: Well, there's a few. There's. Um, let me see if I remember. Spud Webb was five seven. Okay. BJ so Ford was like five eight maybe, and then Earl Boykins was 5'7". seven, uh, okay. Or 5'5". Five, five. I think Earl Boykus was five 5'5". Okay. He's from, like, Eastern Michigan. Oh, uh, uh, sure, yeah. But they played... There's a, a few, like, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, guys. but yeah. I think once you get to 5'10", you're not really, like... I mean, you're short, obviously. Yeah. You're not, like,
1: historically short. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now it's an issue because every, like, center is just shooting, watching threes. <laughs> like, Chet Holmgren's, like, his post-up game is... Phenomenal. I don't know how much of a best you sound uh, like, you know, some basketball, so, but
0: you know, what's funny. Like I know the names now because mm-hmm. like I grew up watching basketball in like the nineties. Yeah. Okay, I, I yeah. probably stopped around when, when LeBron came into the league, I was a sports reporter. So like, oh, okay. that was really big around like, uh, like 2005, 2006 is okay. when ESPN really took off and, and went like first take full mm-hmm. pizza and all that stuff. They were oh, all yeah. shows. And yeah. at a certain point, I want to say 07, 08, I just got too fed up with it. And I was like, no, it's the same topics so every time. It's ridiculous. Yeah. All they're doing is yelling. And Steve Dave Smith, Skip Bayless. And I just kind of went away. That's and fair. around that same time, I just, like, pulled out of, like, the NBA a little bit. And I got more okay. into football, but I, I've always been a baseball guy. So okay. I'm very, like, irritated that baseball, <laughs> their coverage gets eaten by football and basketball, so I'm like, sure, ESPN will not. Here's what it is the Mets had a no hitter, and it was the one time they didn't cut to a no hitter. ESPN had an NBA game on, like oh, ESPN okay. news. And I miss Johan Santana's no hitter. I'm living in Maryland because of that, yeah, because because <laughs> ESPN would not go away from the NBA, yeah. So I think that's what it was. Where I'm, I'm you know, it's just been this 15 year
1: vendetta I've got against that's them. fair, yeah. that's fair.
0: I know a little bit current.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I'm mostly basketball, football guy. I get into baseball when the Phillies inevitably make the playoff, like the the red October thing. That's when I lie to everyone and say, yeah, I love that. I watch every single game. Fuck you, dude. (laughs) Every (laughs) single When you're in Philly, though,
0: that's such a, like, such a sports infused city. Oh, yeah. How can you not get swept up in something like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Even like, yeah, it's just fun. Like one of my buddies, we watched, uh, One of my buddies grew up in South Jersey, then in high school, his family, he moved to Florida and he just moved back up here. And I like on the on the game that if the Phillies won it, where they would have gone to the World Series, I took him out out to a bar in Center City. Uh, He was like, this is and he knows baseball more than I do. So he was like, all right, it's game set, but whatever. Fucking layup of a game, whatever. And uh, I was like, yeah, we'll go down here. I'll take you down to Broad Street. You'll see a riot. It'll be fun. Uh, And then they inevitably lost But then we watched a parade of like All these police forces leave Broad Street (laughs) Just like go down like Oh we're not getting overtime tonight boys pack it in (laughs) So it was fun for us (laughs)
0: No I I like Philly I've been there a few times And I like I said I used to cover Sports so like I was down in Maryland So whenever Mm -hmm. Army would play Navy in Philly we'd cover the game Yeah so but I only You know I know it fairly well You know that's fair Enough to not get super lost in the city. Yeah, yeah. Did you
1: work for like a local newspaper?
0: I worked for the Annapolis Capitol for six years. It's not in Maryland. And I worked for the Baltimore Examiner for a year. And okay. And I worked for Lockhaven Express in Lockhaven, Pennsylvania. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, years, yeah, yeah. And then Preston, Bolton, and Binghamton for a year. So gotcha. or a few months. So yeah, yeah. But I've been out for a while.
1: Yeah. Uh, I used to I used to cover crime for a paper and uh which one? The Times Herald, it's right outside of, in Norristown, Pennsylvania, it's right outside of uh, Philly. It's
0: where Mike Piazza's from, Norristown.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's like in the car dealerships, that's all I know about. Yeah,
1: yeah. Piazza's it's, it's the same county so. where, like, I graduated high school from, so, like, once every two or three months, I would see a name where I'd be like, all right, yeah. <laughs> and I'd have to, like, check with my mom. Makes if, sense. If it wasn't, like, if it wasn't a major, if I thought it was funny, I always reported it. <laughs> yeah. How long my, did you do that? Uh, I worked at that job for two and a half years, and then I worked for a few legal publications covering, like, corporate law and stuff. And now I do marketing stuff because journalism is untenable. It doesn't pay well. And, uh, like, comedy, it's, like, it's kind of a fruitless endeavor unless you're, like, super good at it.
0: (laughs) When did you get out of journalism? Like, two years ago. Okay. So
1: I got out. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah.
0: I got out before the Trump stuff. So Uh, I was just doing sports reporting. But I look back on that and like, okay, well, I left in 2013, Mm -hmm. the end of 2013. And even as a local sports reporter, I just found dealing with the parents and some of the readers who, you know, were parents just awful. And it's one of the only ways I could have related to my parents who were school teachers because Uh, they left when the parents were just getting out of control and the school board wasn't even a buffer. They're like, no, they uh, or whatever the parents yeah. wanted to maintain peace. That's what the editors were kind of doing with the reporters. They didn't have our backs, really. That so sucks. I couldn't imagine in 2015 to, I mean, now really just being a news side reporter and having to deal with just, I mean, town hall meetings are one thing and actual yeah. political reporting. But even with what you're doing, like just
1: what was that like? It wasn't. So I kind of got away from the brunt of it. Uh, School board meetings were always held. Like I, when I interned, I graduated college in 2013. So like 2012, 2013, I entered for like a local, or I I interned for a local newspaper in Kutztown, Pennsylvania. And I was covering like, that's where I was covering school board meetings and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And parents were, cause there's nothing to do up there. Yeah. It's the same Like that's what, that's what you do. It's like ah Monday night. All right. uh, Let me go complain at the school board about like, Something that they don't even fully understand. And this was before everything was like politicized and books and stuff. Um, so that was held. And uh, but luckily enough, my, my day job at the newspaper, I covered crime. So that really wasn't too politicized. And then I covered after that, I worked for like niche legal publications. So I was covering mostly like the business. It was I was more of a business reporter okay, covering like legal business and that kind of stuff. So every now and again, a Trumpy thing. Would come up like I had to interview a guy who was in-house counsel for a an insurance company in Texas, and he got fired because he was at January six, and I talked to him, oh. and, and I I don't know, I think I just tuned out at a certain point where I was like, I don't, I can't possibly, <laughs> I can't possibly try to pretend what you're to be sympathetic to you. <laughs> so, it's so
0: hard yeah. because like when you're doing a job like that, like you just want the facts, yeah, yeah, like you don't really care about what your
1: thoughts are on this. It's like, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Well, like, I remember I like called fake news years ago. Cause like oh, I had really? friends that would be like, Oh, like you make some of this stuff up. And I was like, no, I don't like, like I would work like 12 hour days waiting for a jury verdict. Like if I could make stuff up and get away with it. And oh, like, my God, it, it'd be great. Like, do you think I would be hanging out at the Norristown courthouse until midnight waiting for like a robbery verdict? Absolutely not. <laughs> but
0: yeah, I remember I did, I covered this football game, and it was, I think, Old Mill versus Southern. You could okay. look it up. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but, like, this guy just got blasted. Old Mill had three Division One running backs, and they were playing against a smaller Southern team. Mm-hmm. And this kid on Southern was trying to go for the tackle, and he was blown up by the fullback. And his helmet, like, the face mask, like, separated. Oof. And the kid who made the block I forget what exactly it said it's been a long time but he was kind of celebrating mm-hmm. and like I knocked his teeth out that's what it was I knocked his teeth out <laughs> well apparently the kid who got his teeth quote-unquote knocked out was poor and oh. he didn't have the teeth so I got in I guess like not trouble but yeah. like people got mad at me because I didn't interview the kid and and get the story I'm like I didn't think his teeth actually got knocked out. Like I thought that. it was an yeah. expression.
1: Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah.
0: And yeah, but I got like kind of harangued as this, this, like, "Oh, he's going after poor people." I'm like, "What?" Oh, that's like, nuts. I just, I got a quote from a kid. Yeah. Who was celebrating. <laughs> like, yeah. And they, and they're like, I don't even know why you had to talk to the losing team. I'm like, because they played. Yeah. I was like, eventually they're gonna have to learn how to deal with defeat. Yeah. And if I didn't talk to the losing team, you'd say I didn't care about the losing team.
1: Yeah, like, sure. That's you can't, you can't like, win. Yeah. No.
0: And I was like, all right. But what I would do is, I don't know if you ever doing crime, if you ever got emails like this. But I would get emails saying that. And what I would do is, my editor got pissed. But I would write so much in response. Like, oh. I'm in like 2,000 words, justifying my thought process, agreeing with this, disagreeing with that. And he's like, "Why are you writing that much?" I'm like, "Because they're never going to write back." Yeah, <laughs> they're not. They're, they're
1: not they're never never even reading this. the whole email. No, yeah, no yeah. I don't care. But they're never going to write to me again. And they did. Yes, yeah, that's. I never did that. Crime was a little. Every now and again, I'd be like, "You covered the." They'd, someone would be like, "You covered the trial around," and then I'd be like, "Well, pull out the. Tra-. There are literal transcripts yeah. of what happened in the trial. So if you can prove that I misquoted you, absolutely go for it. But uh, that never happened. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I we had a we had a group of. Maybe two or three people, because there were a bunch of newspapers that had like our office was in the court, in the basement of the courthouse. And they were the kind of nut jobs that would be like, see, like, I have this paper and this shows that the district attorney is in collusion with Barack Obama. And that's why I lost my house in 1983. be like, what the fuck are you? <laughs> so I got a few crazies <laughs> like that. <laughs> you kind of want to just go to lunch with them once. Yeah. Yeah. I did a, I got a good one. I don't know if you, do you remember here? It was an old, he was a, like a local Philly uh, sports reporter named Don Tollefson. Yeah, I know the name. Oh, dude, I got a lot. So he got in some, I broke the story because we got a, my, one of the sports editors was like friends with a guy that owned a bowling alley and outside of Naristown. And Don Tollefson was doing this thing where he, he wasn't associated with the Eagles. He hadn't worked for Fox 29 in years. But he was saying he still had these contacts, and uh, for seven hundred dollars, he would you you would pay for a ticket, a hotel, airplane ticket, hotel, and the uh, ticket to an away game for the Eagles. And also, he still had some money to like bring kids that he worked with, like disadvantaged kids or whatever. Uh, and then he was just pocketing all of that money. So I wrote the story about it. Story leads to him getting charged. He represents himself in court, and like. I was waiting for him to call me to the stand because, like, I'm covering this, and like every witness, he he would. Did you read this story by Dan Clark in the Times Herald? And I just was like, stop mentioning me, dude. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But he was like, he was out on bail, so like in breaks in the trial, when me and a few other reporters were hanging out in the hallway, he would just come over and be like, "That was wild, right, guys? Like he tried to pull that." I used to be a reporter too, park With us, oh god. (laughs) But he actually he got all he like he was guilty. He only was found guilty of like two of the 20 charges that they pressed against him. So he ended up like making out okay for representing himself.
0: <laughs> I would never have the boss to do that. To like, oh, okay, yeah, well, yeah. I know everything. Like, no, if I go in front of a judge for like speeding or something like that, my inclination is to plead guilty. I did it. I, oh, absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. And the judge is always like, no, you want to ask for a continuance. You want to say not guilty because he's telling you. You're going to get a lesser charge if you extend
1: this. Yeah. Or the and cops are not going to show up to the year and it's going to get thinking, dismissed. Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking I'm going to
0: get in trouble and he's going to think I'm lying. And they're like, no, lie to us now. Yeah. <laughs> Just this. Yeah. Yeah you'll, yeah. you'll be good. Yeah. You know, nothing. The one thing I didn't get, I didn't do any news related stuff like, like straight news in yeah. Lock Haven, but I left there right before the Jerry Sandusky stuff went down. Oh, Okay. So with Joe Paterno, obviously. Yeah. Apparently like the school I was covering, Central Mountain was like the base where he was doing his, like, I forget what it was like 10 mile stuff, whatever it was called. Oh, okay. But he was based out of Mill Hall, Pennsylvania, which is like where our newspaper office was. Yeah. So like, that's as close. Like I moved away and then like two years later, yeah, I think it was in Maryland that time for Mm -hmm. sure. And he was, you know, Found out to be doing what he's did, and then so Jerry Sandusky is a big name in Maryland because one of the radio announcers is named Jerry Sandusky. Oh, so the funniest thing because Sandusky's in prison and everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. But that guy spelled G Jerry Sandusky, yeah. is like living with this. So that's
1: unfortunate,
0: right? So his <laughs> Twitter bio is Jerry Sandusky spelled with a G. Oh, uh, that's funny. <laughs> and I'm like, poor <laughs> fucking
1: guy. Yeah. You had to sucks. deal with this probably forever. Yeah, that's tough. I had at the last job, my last journalism job, it was like a niche, niche legal publication. And the the general counsel at Penn State was like she was like getting reprimanded by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court for how she represented the school during all of that. And like yeah. literally her only punishment was like a bunch of Pennsylvania Supreme Court judges were like, Well, that wasn't good. Like that was it. She, she had to come down to Philadelphia just for, just for that. And like, I don't know. It was like, I had to write a story about it. And, uh, but that's when dude, the crazies came out of the woodwork for that. They were oh. like, she should, be, Jerry should not be in jail. Joe Paterno forever. It's like, Jesus Christ. dude.
0: <laughs> that's probably where I was like, wow.
1: Loyalty is really strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Penn state loyalty is nuts. And I don't get it.
0: <laughs> I worked at a, uh, where'd you go to college? Cookstown, Pennsylvania.
1: Okay. I went to Mansfield.
0: Yeah. So we're probably the same boat. Yeah, yeah,
1: like,
0: yeah. We we like our schools, but like
1: eh. Yeah. I mean, if, sure. Yeah.
0: If, if they have a, a child molester they're like, hey man, let's Bill yeah. Cosby Fuck wore a Man's shirt on the Cosby show. And I'm like, yeah. you know what?
1: Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: But but like, yeah, it was it was just so weird. But I worked at a hotel in like right out. It's Lamar, Pennsylvania. It's right outside the okay. state. I know and where that is, yeah. When the new football season came out, it was like Everybody was calling to reserve rooms. That town just filled up. And I'm like, no matter what it costs, we could raise our rates double. They didn't care. They oh, yeah. People were there. Yeah. Right. And I guess that's when I was like, oh, people really like Penn State. I'm thinking like, like I went to Mansfield. We don't have a division two football team anymore because yeah. it, the money wasn't there. Yeah. So like, But people like we would go to the games and it was like a high school game because we didn't care. We just went there to hang out.
1: Yeah. And I couldn't I think imagine
0: I, having that much devotion for a team and a person.
1: Yeah. I think I went to one in the four years at Sound. I think I went to one football game. I went to a few rugby. The rugby team at Sound is actually very good, but it's not, it's like a club team. Yeah. They, but they, so they, they pump out kids that like play for Team USA and like have gone overseas to play, but they also give, uh, they have like a deep alumni association. that throws money at like south african and welsh and british kids to come over and play so like they're very good but they're a club team the school's like yeah you can play on our field and have the colors but you know good luck was rugby a a sanctioned sport for you in high school no i play i also played for a club team um and it was like it was kind of like it drew kids from i think the one catholic school that was near me and then like two other school districts but it wasn't there weren't a ton of people they were like enough for a team but it wasn't like you didn't have to try out or anything you just had to because most kids when they started were either they were learning how to play rugby so
0: now who's crazier rugby
1: players or comedians oh uh comedians because comedians are just more (laughs) (laughs) self-delusional no like it's i think especially in the u.s it's kind of rare that you play rugby you're like yeah i'm gonna be the most famous rugby player in the world, which still doesn't mean a whole lot, even if you're playing anywhere else. But, you know, comedians are definitely crazier and more delusional. Yeah. When you started
0: doing comedy in Philly, I mean, is Philly a good place to become a comedian? Like you're starting out because it seems like there's a lot of things to do in a bigger city.
1: I think so. Um, I mean, especially now it's great. You know, people I started with are opening for some of the coolest people in the world right now but uh yeah i think i think philly's probably a solid place it's not like there's a lot of there's a lot of comedians down here but it's not so saturated where it's like if you're good there's a chance that people will like you can get on shows pretty quickly and kind of build a good amount of time in a short amount of time i guess like i always say like i would i would i wouldn't move to new york like new york city anyway in, unless i had something like tangible because for me i would just be starting over again yeah. you know like i could do like I could host at a club, but like that no one. If I I could host at Helium and no one gives a shit in New York that I hosted at Helium twice, you know. <laughs> like yeah. Not, yeah,
0: Do you get down to Baltimore at all?
1: I don't. I should. This is, one of my things this year is I want to get out of state a little bit more than I than I already have. Baltimore seems like because they got a, they got a couple of new clubs I think that have popped up in yeah. the past few years, and it seems like it's a pretty solid scene down there.
0: Well, I know I talked to a lot of people in the Maryland area, and they mentioned Philly, but. Mm-hmm. Philly people don't often, maybe it's my fault for not asking, but like they don't often talk about Maryland. And I wonder because I lived in Baltimore and it's 90 minutes away. So I figure it's pretty and it's, and it's an easy drive, but I wonder how much, you know, cross work you get
1: out of there. Not a ton. I mean, I don't even really know a ton of, trying to think of the, the Baltimore comics. I know I honestly, and this is also my bad. I'm just, I'm bad with names too. So, but I don't really, we don't get a ton of out of towners. Popping it like for shows, sure. If they're booked, people will come up, but yeah, we don't get a ton of out-of-towners just coming up to do like mics for a week. Uh There was a crew of guys from Virginia a few years ago that came up and did that, but now they all live here. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I don't know, but I've heard, I mean, I've heard the clubs and the audiences in Baltimore are pretty great. I just haven't, uh I haven't reached out. And that's more of a, that's more of a, my fault thing than, you know. But
0: I will bet it's more like a product of, well, They're in a city, you're in a city. And, like, do cities need to go to other cities when they already have the audiences they need?
1: Sure. I mean, I think probably so. So, actually, this is an issue with Philly, especially during the summer, because Philly's not, like, a destination city. So, running shows up here can be a goddamn nightmare. So, it's like there's a lot of other cities that are people go to for vacation. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't Philadelphia everyone leaves everyone in Philly leaves and it's pretty rare that people are coming here, if not for like a conference or something. But no one's like, Let me go to Philadelphia and spend a week there, because there's like five things you can it's not quite big enough and there's not quite enough touristy stuff because you can only see the Liberty Bell so many times <laughs> before you before you're like cool it's the crack bell. So yeah, I don't know. But and I think even Baltimore has a little bit more as far as like tourist trappy kind of stuff and draw people in.
0: I know I lived in Maryland and I lived in Annapolis and while well, Glen Burnie and within Baltimore and my parents, they never came to see me in Lock Haven, but they came <laughs> to see yeah. me every year in Baltimore. Sure. Yeah. Because there's shit to do. There's stuff to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They didn't want to see a jail in Lock Haven. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we could have gone through. Oh, there's the KFC I go to every Sunday. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they have nothing. <laughs> yeah.
0: But my girlfriend, is, she lived in Philly for a while. And I'll probably go down to Philly more now than I ever did. But I always see like Pennsylvania, like if I don't have family in that town, why am I going to Pennsylvania?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Most of my family is in the greater Philadelphia area. I have one cousin who lives in Manhattan. Then I go up like I don't know once every two months and we end up bullshitting. But yeah, so it's even it's even pretty rare that I go up to New York City for mics or stuff.
0: Is it hard to stand out in Philly as a comic?
1: A little bit, because it is saturated and there's so many new people. And it's even, it's gotten to the point where like, there's a lot of new people and I'm like, I'm not shit down here. I'm like, I'm solid enough. I'm going to get cocky and say that I'm solid enough, yeah. but I'm not like, I'm not hosting every weekend or I'm not one of those guys. So there's a lot of new people that are like, who the, like, they look at me like, who the fuck are you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not to I can't big dick anyone, but also who the hell are you? <laughs> you <know? laughs>
0: when did you start feeling comfortable on stage? I mean, it's been seven years.
1: Yeah. Uh, probably like four years in. Like right before the pandemic. Yeah, I, I was like getting... I That March, I had so many shows and I just one by one watched them get canceled. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm hitting like... I'm getting booked on like... Like I think I had like anywhere between 10, 10 to 12 like paid spots that yep. month. And I was like, damn, all right, I'm, I'm in it. And then just, yeah, I think one of them stayed. And then like a, two days later, the world goddamn shut down. But I think four years in is where I got kind of... I got a little more conversational. I kind of... Not that I'm... Not that I'm like reading off of a script, but I or but like I got a, I was able to like go off script and like I don't have to go like this joke to this joke to this joke. I can like play around a little bit more. I think when I was four years in, probably.
0: Yeah, I know. For me, I went. I did a whole thing where I was like big storyteller, like Berbiglia.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: but no talent. So <laughs> I was like, all right, well let me let me switch to one liners to teach myself how to write a joke. Sure. And then I became very dependent on oh, this word has to be here it has uh, to follow this joke in like, that was very yeah. script. And then once I was able to like combine the two, like throw my one-liners into a story and like, you know, have a punch. Yeah, that, the two, that's
1: the, uh, yeah.
0: then I became a little more comfortable. And then after the pandemic for me, I became more conversational because like, oh, mm-hmm. well, if this happens, I, let me do crowd work. Let me incorporate that. Yeah. And that will add, Oh, I found this new tag. this kind of cool. A, yeah, entry yeah. Point to that bit. Then I, I really felt, like five years would have been for me. Like, okay, That's fair, yeah, yeah. I actually I'm okay on stage now and yeah. I feel like I'm not going to embarrass myself on anybody's show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, me and my buddy that used to run the show, cause we used to, where we ran the show was the same place as where we used to run an open run it up. mic. but then we got tired of the open mics and we just gave it to new people that kept the show. And, uh, we had a, we, we shared a mic stand between the show and the, uh, and the open mic and like the little knob on top where the mic actually goes into one yeah. day we saw it was loose. And my buddy texted the people hosting the, the open mic, like, Hey, tell people to stop holding on to the mic stand. We get it. They're new and nervous, but like, it was, <laughs> that's the reason it was loose. was just because oh, people man. are like, you know, twisted it like that the whole time they're on stage.
0: <laughs> I was talking about this last night. I had, there are two comedians and you might know one of them. He moved on to Philly. You know, Seth Ruddick? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I okay. love Seth. Yeah. He's the man.
0: Well, you don't know him well enough.
1: Sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, Seth is great. But he and this guy in Buffalo, Jesse Winteralter. Jesse is mm-hmm. a Philly guy, actually. I don't he started That name sounds familiar, but I don't I think I he know he started him. doing comedy in Buffalo, but okay. he's like a Philly guy. Gotcha. But they abuse the shit out of my mic stand. Oh. <laughs> so Seth, if I don't know if he still does it, but watch him next time. On a mic stand, he will hold it and like lean back and forth.
1: Uh, I've so, done a I, bunch of shows with him recently. I don't think he's done that. Right. Yeah. So
0: I've got, I've got a mic stand with like three legs. Oh, uh, okay. So it'll like, do you remember, I mean, you're a little younger than me. There's a V8 commercial that was famous where the people would like stand at an angle.
1: Oh, I didn't know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. That's
0: yeah. how my mic stand looks. Oh, that's After funny. Seth and Jesse,
1: <laughs> they beat the
0: shit out. Jesse will pound it into the ground and lift it up and slam it. And then I'm like, I'm in the back, like, oh my God, and here we go. Yeah. And they're only $30 and I have to buy another one yeah. every year. It's, it's not a big deal, but I'm like, yeah. it kills me in the back That's to funny. not be like, Hey, stop. It's not the, it's not as bad as a mic drop, but yeah. I'm like, it's, it's my equipment. Fair, Seth, fair over the years, Seth over the years has paid me money. He actually, <laughs> yeah. one of the sweetest things I have to remember, he does this every once in a while, but he threw me like $250 when the pandemic began because Damn. he knew all the shows I was losing, oh, like, shit. it was Damn. it was the sweetest thing, and it might have been three hundred. It was it was just something he didn't need to do. Now yeah. he did buy furniture from me and yeah. threw it away. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe he felt bad. It worked but, out, yeah, yeah. No, I like Seth a lot, so yeah. I'll rag on him a little bit. But no, that's yeah, definitely it's yeah. definitely a tell. Like, yeah. okay. and I also think that's that's just the mark of somebody who has never bought equipment before.
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, I think for me, some of the. I just saw it on Facebook. Like I remember I was like maybe two or three years in and some Jersey comic put it on Facebook. It's like, hey, new comics, stop holding onto the mic stand. Like, you know, get like throw away the the floaty or whatever. And like yeah. the next show I did, I did it. I was like, and it felt weird. Like I understand the inkling to want to hold on to something, especially when you're doing something that's naturally uncomfortable for most people. But when I did it, I was like, oh, it does feel better. And now I just usually move it like five feet behind me where I can't touch it.
0: Is there something a new comedian will do that tells you, "Oh, this is a new
1: comedian"? Uh, let me tell a, you a, a little tell. bit about myself. That's yeah, that's the mo- That's the first one. That that and then ending a three to five minute open mic set by going, "I'll get out of here on this." Oh my <laughs> god! Let me tell you one thing before I leave. Some yeah. variation of that. Yeah, that, that's when I if I if I don't know you're brand new and I hear either one of those, I assume you're pretty new. I remember doing
0: all right, I'll tell you this one or sure. something, some variation of that one time. And the joke didn't work. Uh, and I remember having that conversation in my head, like, Oh, you fucked yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause
0: now you're a liar and they knew that didn't go well. You, yeah. So I'm like, okay, never do that again. And yeah. I remember, I think it was in Ithaca. So I could probably deduce. I was probably two years in. Sure. And I'm like, okay, never again. So <laughs> my tell is they don't move the mic stand.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. That's like interesting. right in front of the face. And,
0: and like they're too nervous to move it. they don't know what to do yeah. and there's one time like I'll take photos of my shows mm-hmm. and this one time I had to go up and physically remove the mic stand because oh, I couldn't so get, could get, get a, a shot yeah. I couldn't get a photo yeah. and I'm like I'm like how new is this guy like like I thought you know he came to me and he's like oh I have this and I'm like okay and then yeah I saw the mic stand I'm like I was bamboozled
1: yeah <laughs> I tend to this is a newer ish thing, maybe like a year I've been doing it, but like I tend to hold like I hold on to it like the the base of it or like the middle part of it and I pick it up for like the first minute I'm on stage usually. and it's just like a transition for me it just makes it a little less awkward, but yeah I move, I, I do end up moving it. I'm still not confident enough to keep the mic in the mic stand and yeah. talk for any amount of time. I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> I don't think I have either. Yeah. I see people do it. I'm like, good for you. That's a.
0: <laughs> the only time I know I can do that is when I'm hosting a show mm. and there's no reason for me to pick up the mic oh, and tra- sure, yeah. transitioning
1: between yeah, comedians. Yeah. Like yeah. I can do
0: that, but that's a cheat.
1: Yeah. That's Yeah. That's not I uh, I can't, but yeah, I can't do like the five minute, like I can't do a whole five minute set and just not have move at all or I like to have some shit in my hand. I don't know. Just yeah. That, that the idea that maybe that's my new challenge for this year. Try to do 5 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> just talking into a mic like God intended or <laughs> When you started doing stand up, do you think your your ex-wife was surprised? Uh, she knew I liked it. And knew I was okay. wanted to do it. I don't think she cared. <laughs> yeah, I think Sorry about just, that. <laughs> no, that's no, genuinely. I mean, I don't care that yeah. I do I don't even really do too many jokes about my Divorce, and i'm i'm positive she's seen them because i got a notification on tiktok that was like what's her face has right. seen your profile so it's like oh there's no way you wouldn't be curious like i no, understand I would that have to watch. And, and like i'm not too like i haven't gone like I, like I haven't talked to her since we got divorced but like i haven't like i haven't gone like scorched earth where i'm like and this is why she fucking sucked right. like i'm not doing that because again i went to therapy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well
0: i just mean like like yeah people in your past i mean were you always a funny guy
1: uh yeah I was like the I was like the weird sneaky funny guy but I was very shy in high school so there are people that are like you do stand-up I'm like yeah I'm actually pretty good at it shut up but um, <laughs> but yeah I was like the shy kid in high, I was mostly the shy kid in high school and I think like I played bass in a few crappy punk bands that never did anything but like three local VFW shows so, like that was the most outgoing I got but I wasn't singing or anything so did anybody notice you as a bassist? God no no because I was even like a subpar <laughs> bassist. I was just like it was just like shitty punk rock that like where I I was just doing the guitar part but the, it was easier because there weren't chords so like
0: <laughs> could anybody tell oh this guy is offbeat
1: no no definitely okay. not i mean i was pretty good I, you know I, I had timing i could do that okay. like, <laughs> I, had, I had the rhythm required to be a bass player but i couldn't uh <laughs> i wasn't like i wasn't pulling a less claypool and no one was like jesus right. christ Dan clark is such a phenomenal bass player i wonder <laughs> what are you so gonna, you're not gonna do like, next? you're not gonna do any no effects covers correct Yeah. no fat okay. mike is like yeah shockingly a surprise i don't know why for the longest time i was like whatever it's bass. then like you watch as what like, Jesus Christ, that guy's moving and singing at the same time, like the way his fingers are working up and down. Yeah.
0: I grew up, like I said, I'm seven years older or eight years yeah. older. I'm four, I'm 40. So okay, yeah. like I got into like pop punk in oh, like, yeah, yeah. the right time because it was like 95, 96. But like I noticed like like Mark Hoppus plays bass, he sings. Yeah. Mike yeah. Rare from MXPX plays bass, he sings. Yeah. that Mike, no effects, plays bass, he sings. I don't understand how much like drummers but to a lesser extent, how you sing and not play the melody. Like, yeah, that be the, uh, it, it's so yeah. my brain can't compute how hard that must be.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the only, well, fat and kind of the exception that I can think of. Cause I mean, a lot of like pop punk, the bass is just the, you know, the bass note of yeah. whatever the melody is. So like, I can get that. But again, fat Mike is just like, I, how that place. doesn't make sense to me. That. And the same with like death metal guys. I got into death metal in high school a lot. And it's like, there are not many, but there are a few bass players that sing and do that. I'm like, I that I can't understand because your fingers are moving ten thousand miles a minute and like and you're doing these like weird, complicated, growling vocals that yeah, I don't I can't wrap my head around that at all. What were your favorite bands growing up? Growing up, uh I'm trying to think. My taste in music has varied a lot. Like now I'm, i lean more on the punk kind of pop punk. So I, like the men's singers are the best band in the entire world, I think. I don't know if you know them.
0: Do you have to say that because they're now a Philly band?
1: No, but I like to get into. Uh, no, they are genuinely my favorite band. I see them. Yeah. Like, I've saw. I've seen them like five times a year. But I do get into fun arguments with my friends just to nitpick at them. Maybe like some of my hipstery friends are like, "Yeah, I like them back then." And I'm like, yeah, I we all knew who the Menzingers were in yeah. two thousand five, dude. I saw them at a YMCA in Doylestown. Like, chill. <laughs> but my friends are like, but you know, they're they're Scranton. They can't say they're from Philly. I'm like, no, they're from Philly. I just I like to poke at them for that reason.
0: Yeah, I saw them in Scranton at like a record shop they did like i think six songs acoustic mm-hmm. oh, okay, i guess yeah. they go there to you know they promoted. i forget what album it was anymore but mm-hmm. i have upstairs they have a, an autograph bag like a shopping oh. bag on my wall and oh that's cool yeah and i think i got an autograph album whatever i, I, I just know. forget the album It would have came yeah. out in 2017 no no it would have
1: been uh 2020 2020, 2020 would have been uh hello exile yeah that's the one yeah, I think I have a sign. I don't know if my copy of that's signed actually. Yeah. Sorry about and, that. I didn't. I didn't yeah. mean to oh, all good. Listen, I won't. I'll talk <laughs> about the men's singers for as long as the day goes. I don't care. Um, but other shit like uh, in high school, big death metal guy. Uh, so like, Lana God, the Black Dahlia Murder was like one of my favorite bands. Uh, I'm glad they're still going because their lead singer died a few years ago, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna keep trying. So I'm ex- kind of excited for them to come back around. What else was I really into in high school? Obscura. Uh Lamb of, I said, Lamb of God already yeah. I think what was like what was like a punk band I was really into and not, I got really into like weird local punk bands in high school I'm not even trying to be a hipster, but like the new aggression, which was like a bunch of these old dudes that just played really like kind of technical pop punk music that I really liked, and I've been like scouring the internet for honestly the past couple of months trying to find <laughs> their shit and it just doesn't exist anymore, which I'm a little bit mad about
0: back like ten years ago, no, it would have been longer than that. I was in Maryland. And I, for, I always forget. I've been in, I've been back in Binghamton mm-hmm. for ten years, mm-hmm. and like I, so I, probably fourteen years ago, I started listening to the Wonder Years. Oh, they're I love them too. they yeah. so they're more
1: where like you were in high school probably when you heard them, right? Yeah, that uh, yeah, that first record I think came out my junior year, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, yeah, something like that. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I always think that they are the band. They're in my top 10 favorite bands of all time.
1: They're phenomenal. yeah.
0: And they're the only band that I can think of who will make it into that top 10. Cause that's fair. You you get your top 10 when you're young you're like, nobody's going to beat these guys. Yeah. Green day and blink and Three Eleven for me are always going to be top three. (laughs) Nobody can (laughs) penetrate that. Sure. I'm close, but it's just, those are the bands that you, I always think the wonder years, obviously Philly band. Yeah. They would have been that band for me. Oh, they would have fit in that generation, you know, right with Newfound Glory and all those drive through guys. But like every time they come out with a record, I'm like, okay, here we go. That's it's basically the only band whose record, whose new stuff I actually look forward to listening to.
1: they're really they've been really good at like evolving, too. I used to when I worked at the newspaper, one of the guitar players, Matt Brash, his now wife they were dating at the time was an editor at that paper (laughs) so i got them i met that a few times at a jimmy world concert that they were both at (laughs) yeah
0: that's awesome yeah (laughs) and i think that it's a six-piece band i don't think they've lost a member i think they're no it's all the originals yeah yeah and they're what got to be coming up on probably 20 years as a band
1: pretty close to it yeah because they have done a few they've already done a few um yeah, in the past two years, I've seen two 10-year tours yeah, for too. albums of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah for Suburbia and uh, what was the other one? Greatest Generation. Greatest Generation, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, they're fantastic. But yeah. They would have been in mine. And, you know, like I said, MXPX, no Effects were there for me. Yeah. I listened to less than Jake. I was a big Scott kid in high school, mm-hmm. too. Okay, and yeah.
1: Just, Rise think, Against, that was, that was what Rise I fucked with good. a lot in high school,
0: yeah. Yeah, that was, they came out in, when I was in college, like probably 2000. Okay,
1: gotcha, yeah.
0: And they were fantastic. Yeah. But do you see any correlation between, you know, you played bass and punk, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. played bass in a punk band. Do you see any correlation between punk rock, maybe death metal,
1: and comedy? I guess it's all like, a lot of it's DIY stuff. You know, yeah. you're not kind of just have to book your own shit and which i had going into comedy i had no idea i was like oh there's one open mic at helium and that's all there is and then like after a few months i realized like oh no there's like all these weird not even i don't want to say hipster bars, but like weird dive bars that have open mics um that people are just putting on themselves it's not necessarily like obviously the bar wants them there to one degree or another but yeah i guess like the diy aspect of it that I never, I never would have thought of that until I started it. Cause I really just thought like, Oh, you just harass people at the clubs until you get in. And then that, yeah. that's the only path forward, but that's, that couldn't be further from the truth.
0: No, I I've noticed that since I started producing on my own, like I was in a group and I separated from that, I, this is so much more accomplishment for me. Oh yeah. And the one, maybe it's an old school punk thing. Maybe I'm just like, you know, justifying my reaction, but like, when I see people in my scene get on the news or have something in the newspaper about what they're doing. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm always like, fuck them. You're, <laughs> the, you're cheating. You're cheating. Do it yeah. my way. And granted, what they're doing is perfectly fine. It's sure. Acceptable. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm jealous, probably. But like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. But there's some sort of satisfaction I get of being like, no, you know what? It's just me. I don't have a yeah. lot of people, you know, helping me check people in. It, yeah where that would absolutely be helpful sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, no, no. I I like the fact that it's all on me and I feel like I'm working from the ground up and that's a definite DIY thing. And that's That's what I like a lot about just being an independent booker for comedy. And and I don't know, it's like, I feel like, uh, okay, I'm I'm helping people,
1: you know, Mm -hmm.
0: get to where I want to be as well. So it makes it more of a team game. And I've noticed like, like I listen to all these interviews with like the Warped Tour and all those bands, it seems like those punk bands, like the ones who get along, I mean, succeed because yeah. like, yeah, they just want to fuck around and have fun. Yeah. Bottom line. And I think like, you know, we talked about earlier, like if you cannot be as competitive sometimes, yeah, you might
1: have more fun with it. That took me. Yeah. The, the not getting jealous and competitive did take me honestly up until like the past two years to, to kind of get out. I think also it helped that I still drink, but I don't drink nearly as much as I did when I started. Yeah. That's the other issue. I think a lot of new comics fall into. I, I fucking fell into it. It's like, Oh, you're, you're doing a thing that you really like doing with like-minded people at a bar. Of course, I'm going to get loaded and do it. And uh, it took me a little bit to definitely not do that (laughs) or at least wait till after I go up to (laughs) to tie one on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It only took me one shot to like totally psych me out of doing that because I forgot my first joke and like, uh, I had no okay. time before the show to look it up, but I had that one moment where I was like, Oh, this is gonna fuck me, and yeah, no, yeah. but it helps that I'm not a big drinker anyway,
1: like, sure fair enough, yeah, you know,
0: I drank a shitload more than I needed to in my twenties I worked yeah. it out in my system, but like, yeah, when I started at thirty three I was like, you know, I don't I watch enough people get fucked up and embarrass themselves. I'm like, I don't need the alcohol to embarrass myself, yeah, so I can do that myself,
1: yeah, I'm okay. I mean, I'm never, it's never actually good, but I, I can like be passable if I'm a little drunk on stage. It's, I can't, I can't possibly be even the slightest bit high on stage. That's when I forget. Cause I just, all weed does is just shut my brain off. Like, like for me, the perfect high is when I'm, I take an edible, I sit at home and watch a movie for 10 hours, but like yeah. try doing that on stage. It's, I can't do it. It's, there's a show run by a Jersey guy named Alex Rebar called and yep. Out of the Stone. Yeah great show fun as hell but the last time i did it uh it was a small crowd it was like a smaller panel so it was like oh we're all gonna do like five to seven minutes of stand up up top and if i knew that i would not have taken an edible on the train (laughs) over there (laughs) i was just like gee this is awful what am i doing (laughs) how'd it go (laughs) not good (laughs) not good (laughs) the show part like the you know the game show part of it was was fun but like i think uh, that was in that was like a year and a half ago and before that, I had only been high on stage one time, and that went horribly, too. So I was like, oh, never dude again. Strikes. And then, yeah, and then I just didn't know we were doing, a, I didn't realize we were doing sets before the actual show. <laughs> I was like, God damn it, dude. <laughs> Do you have a story about a show that just went really poorly? Yeah, yeah, this is my favorite one. So we're, we're actually, i met Seth's place in New Hope called John and Peter's, where our friend Mike D'Alto runs a show. It's like the oldest bar in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Uh, It's like a really cool, tight, small room. They have like a small dive bar on the first floor. Then you walk down three sets and it's like a really small concert venue. Like Hall of Notes played there in the 70s. It's really, really cool, really really intimate. But one of Mike's friends was doing like, I don't want to call it a music festival, but it was like, it was a Thursday night and it was just a bunch of musicians kind of jamming. And then he asks, me and Mike were just up there hanging out and he asked if we want to do, if we want to close out the show by each doing like 10, 15 minutes. So we're like, yeah, sure. Music and comedy never mix well, but why not? Let's, <laughs> let's try it out. And so Mike's been doing this, stuff. Mike's been doing it a lot longer than me. So I was like, I'll go first. And then you, you know, clean them up from whatever dog should I end up saying. Right. But we get down there and there's this lady that does storytelling that had gone to the open mic up there. And she had seen, she had seen me a million times before. And I think I was like three or four years into this point. So I really only had like 20 minutes, but if I'm, I, only 10 of them were good. So I just did the 10 she had seen a million times and she starts screaming out my punchlines oh, over. No. And it's like, it's the ceilings are so low and it's such a small room that like, even with a microphone, I couldn't be louder than her unless I was literally like screaming into the mic and like, I'm not going to do that because it'll blow people's ears out. And so like, it gets to the point where like, she just, she screams out like, I bet you want to choke me. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, shut up. And then this guy sitting behind her, he gets up and gets annoyed. Like, he's just going to leave. But as he's leaving, <laughs> this plays, like, when I tell this story, it plays, like, slow motion in my head. As he's leaving, he takes it. It's just water. But he takes and, like, does one of these and, like, chucks his water at her. And she's so blitzed that she, like, didn't realize what happened for a few seconds. <laughs> but this was to be nice. This this lady was, was sturdy. Let's say that just to be nice. And this was, like, yeah. a real scrawny hippie kid that threw the water at her. So, like, once she realized what happened, she gets out of her seat and jumps up and starts beating the shit out of him on the floor. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then, by this at this point, I was like, Mike. Mike just, like, hopped on stage, grabbed a second mic, and we were just like, we're just going to do, like, a bump and Mike's kind of thing there. <laughs> and so, we're just both watching this happen. And for me, it was, like, in slow motion. <laughs> just like, all right, we should just stop now, right? Because <laughs> there weren't enough people in there. We have to break up a fight. but <laughs> that's insane so i think that's my that's my hell gig we had another one there a couple weeks ago halloween which was like it wasn't as bad it was just one of those where like usually when people heckle yeah it was was this past halloween at the same place but usually when people heckle it's only one table and then like they decide to everyone else is like oh i don't want to be like that table right this particular show everyone was like oh they're talking I'm going to scream something out too. Yeah. yeah. So, it was, and I had to host that one there. So I was like, all right, let me just, I think I told like a joke in 15 minutes. <laughs> it was just oh navigating. Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty, that's where I met Seth. Actually, we were, we were both on that show. We're, we're that bonded by that kind of war. <laughs> that we had to deal with.
0: <laughs> yeah. Seth did a show one time <laughs> where it was like a, an older, older audience in Cortland. Yeah. This was hometown. Mm-hmm. and, buddy of ours, Paul Kozlowski running the show. And I usually host anything Seth was on up here. And this time Seth hosted and I was like kind of looking forward. I'm like, well, let's see what he does. And, and there's a part of me I don't know how often you host, but there's a part of, when you host a long time, you're like, all right, well, I wonder what this guy would be like without my help, without me setting the table. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. And Seth gets up there very funny comedian, but he's like crude. And there's no apology for what Seth is saying. He doesn't give a fuck. He's loud. He's just going after it. And he wants to do his material. And there's something about that that I find not charming. That's not the right word. It's (laughs) like, but like, he's fine, but like admirable. Yeah. Because like, like if I am in that situation, I will cower away from the crude stuff. Yeah. Like, and I'll go, okay, no, this is more family friendly. Let me do this. Let me, but Seth doesn't do that. So he starts the show with like a five minute joke about eating ass. Did not get anything. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And I go up and I do really well because like, and it wasn't because Seth set the table. It was because they're like, as long as you don't talk about eating ass, we'll be on. Sure. We promise. Yeah. We'll be good. (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. (laughs) But I, I love shows like that. It's like, like, part of what I like about comedy so much is like you'll do it for so long and then some new variable will come up. Oh yeah. And it's, it's infuriating, but also it's like, well, yeah, of course that had to happen
1: because yeah. it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had too many. I think the the last one I had was, was that Halloween show. Cause I usually am just so used to like one person actually everyone being like, that's embarrassing. They don't know yeah. how to behave, but this one, it was just, the table in front of me, the table to the left of me, the table to the right of me. They're, and they weren't, like, working together. They were just <laughs> screaming Nanukia. Yeah. What are you doing with Soul Joel's? You working a lot with them? Every now and again. Uh, I really don't. Too often, I kind of just got past there, I guess. Okay. Good room. Uh, I hosted... Uh, I got there. My buddy Jay Yoder got me on, like, a late night showcase show. He ran there, and Joel saw me and was like, all right, yeah. And then, like, he... I actually just sent him my avails for this year so far, but I haven't gotten anything yet. But it's also four days in, so I'm not crying about it. Yeah. But yeah, I hosted hosted a show. I'm already blanking on the dude's name. It was like a cleaner guy, but he was like chill. And then I did a dirty show after that. But yeah, it's a good room. My sister and her husband live right down the road from there. So like they they go there a lot. So that's the only time I really see them because it's not far from Philly, but it's just far enough. It's like, I'm not driving out there for and for no reason, you know, right. <laughs> Unless I'm getting paid to be there.
0: <laughs> Listen, man, I live eight minutes from my sister. I see her three times a year. Oh, sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I get That's, it. Oh I get God. It uh, no, I don't feel bad about seeing my sister. Only no, once a no, year.
0: No. <laughs> no. So are you okay with doing like, okay, I need 10 minutes clean. Is that just easy for you to do now? I mean, it's been seven. I years. can,
1: I can, I have to think about it. It's one of, cause I don't, I mean, this is a, not an argument a conversation me and a few of my friends used to we go back and forth on it i don't like working clean and it's not to say that i'm particularly dirty either i just like the option to feed into something else if i can yeah like i did a show in princeton in november and it was at this place called the institute for advanced study it was a bunch of really old people and uh i had to do 15 minutes but then the guy going after me was running late so i ended up doing like 23 but i was like all right. Like I have other, I have like another 15 minutes of stuff, but it's dirty. Do you guys want to hear it? And then this old lady goes, finally the dirty stuff. And yes. so, yeah. So I was like, cool. Cause I was trying to like temper myself <laughs> for the first like 20 minutes. Um, but, so like I can do it. It's just like, I have to like, if, if I know I, have, I don't, I, I like to be given like advanced notice of whether or not I'm going to be clean. Um, and then depending on who I'm working with, like sometimes I'll just write a cleaner set anyway. But then like if there is like a particular a show that's like it's labeled as a dirty show I'm like fucking sign me up for that yep. you know that's that's
0: what I've noticed like I'll have to do a clean set and mm-hmm. you know somebody booked me for it and like all right well you know it's the producer he's going to headline whatever and he goes and then the guy who follows me is dirtier than I am like like unapologetically oh, so dirty. much and I'm like, yeah and people come over like oh you could have been dirtier I'm like I wanted to be
1: yeah I wanted to be you have no yeah. idea
0: how hard it was for me not to Call this whole place fucking assholes. Like, yeah. I, mean, I just, I don't know, but like inevitably, you're like, well, I have to cut this. I have to, you know, take that fuck out. Take that. I have to
1: reword oh. this. There was a club in Allentown, not to be mixed up with the one in the Mohican Sun, because there's a wisecracker oh, there. Yeah, yeah but the, there was one with the same name in Allentown, yeah. uh, where Mike Cannon has a really good joke about it on his, I think, on his first album, because there you have to be clean and like. The audience doesn't want that, but I hosted. I hosted a weekend there when I was like maybe, maybe two years in, maybe a year and a half in, and like again, I'm not the dirtiest guy in the world. But she told me to do a ten, clean ten minutes, and I was like kind of panicking because I never. That was the first show where I was like given restrictions yeah. for, and then I was just and like I, bought I mean, you know, I made my money, but like it wasn't like I wasn't certainly happy about how I did <laughs> those two nights. But then I also I was hosting for just like the hackiest cruise comics in the world and i was just like after the first night i went to a i went to a bar that's owned by another comedian out in the suburbs near my parents house i was like i don't want to be them i had like an existential crisis because they were like they were clean but it was just like the most obvious layoffs to go jokes and but they were murdering too that's the thing it was like (laughs) you can be hacky and like sure like a lot of us won't like respect you but like god you'll kill hacks murder more than anyone i've ever seen <laughs> i did a private
0: show last year or the year before and i made like 200 225 i think yeah. a great paycheck but i did a half an hour to open the show Oof. and somebody dropped out and the dude's like hey we'll all do a half an hour and that I'm sounds like, terrible do you, have, do you have a half an hour and like yeah. i didn't say that and he doesn't yeah. the guy following me didn't have a half an hour so, like, I went up. I did 34. I had coverage because we needed an hour and a half. Yeah. And then the guy following me did 13. And this dude, everybody deserves to see him. He did four street jokes at least. Murdered. Of course. Yeah. Obviously. And I'm like, I am I had a really good set. He killed me. And yeah. I'm like, you got it. So I walked out of there. I was mad. Then I saw the check. And I deposited it. Mobile deposit before I
1: left. Right away. And it yeah. felt
0: a little better. Yeah. yeah. I did a clean show once where, like, there are 300 people there. 18 people. It was like a banquet. 18 people paid attention. And yeah. it was the easiest. I don't think I bombed because nobody gave a fuck. But sure, like yeah, yeah, the people yeah. bo- the people watching were fine with it. They liked yeah. it. So I got out of there, deposited my check. And I'm like, you know what? That's so easy to wash off Yeah. because it's corporate. Who cares? Yeah. I got my money. I knew it was going to be tough. And it's a money. Yeah. Yeah, you know, what? I'm that's- like, cool. I got my $200 and it left. But yes. man, that stuff bothers the hell out of me when like... You know they're hacky as shit. And yeah.
1: They're going to destroy. And they're killing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: And it makes you think, maybe that's what I should do.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think, like, I would just, like, steal. That's the thing. Like, I couldn't yeah. even, because, like, I guess they're original, I don't know, just, yeah, but they're, again, they're murdering. Like, yeah. I understand, and, like, I then they get paid, like, ungodly amounts of money to work on cruise ships. I mean, that sounds like an awful life to basically live on a cruise ship for nine months out of the year. But, yeah, they murder. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: well, what do you want on a comedy? It's a broad question, but
1: what, yeah. what are your goals? If I could like, you know, I always thought I wanted to be just like an old road guy, but then I read Sam Towns' book and I was like, that yeah. sounds miserable. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I don't know. If I could be a guy that headlines clubs, that would be cool. Or if I can make like just enough money with this as like a side hustle and like add an extra like two random. Mo- that's like, that's lofty, honestly. But like, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not a... Uh, I'm not at the I'm, I'm I think I'm past the idea of like well I'm gonna get rich and famous doing this like I would love that but like I'm not I'm not banking on it because I realize it's such a crab shoot, and there are millions of people that work so much more at this than I do so I don't know I just wanna I want to keep doing it I'm like paring down as much as I go to open mics and now I'm just like working new shit in the middle of longer sets because that feels better because I'm just tired of being twenty oh, two year olds all the time. <laughs> <laughs> And like, they're nice. I'm just like, it just, I I feel old as shit yep. in that kind of scene. So like, it hurts me a little bit to, to be there. Yeah. I don't know. Just keep that, make some money. Have a nice, yeah, that's kind of it. That's really all I'm at now. I've it's learned if you set list. your expectations too high, you get fucked in the ends. <laughs> it's the <laughs> Irish Catholic in me. <laughs> so. I've heard you're getting a fucked in the end anyway. So really. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. You pay taxes I mean, and you die. It's the only good <laughs> advice my dad ever gave me. <laughs> yeah,
0: at least he told you to pay taxes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> well, dude,
0: thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. Obviously. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you have anything to plug? Any shows coming up? Any social media?
1: If anyone is in Philadelphia, I'll be at the Raven lounge tomorrow at eight. That's really it. But all my stuff is on Instagram at Paul Danklage. I think I've actually started a podcast with Seth and our friend, Mike called the idiot bridge we did one oh, really? live one yeah we did one live one i we were we were all pretty drunk for that so i don't think that's gonna go anywhere but we gotta, we're gonna <laughs> we're figuring out the logistics of like because mike's in the suburbs I means we're figuring out the logistics of where to record it so that'll be out hopefully sometime in the next month or so yeah tall dinklage on instagram that's where all my all my things are
0: sweet dude well again thank you so much for talking and uh we'll work together soon i'm sure Hell yeah man this is fun as hell Alright man, I'll talk to you in a bit
1: Alright, peace. Right. peace I'm
0: peeling back my sunburned skin I'll wait
1: outside your bedroom I, I hope they let me in